0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. I got a question from somebody that grew up in a dysfunctional family, joined the club, girl, (laughs) and um, now she doesn't know how to assert boundaries with other people. Um, such that she ends up with these bizarre uh, interactions like one where the woman, she's a mom and the woman is another mom and she asks her to watch her children all the time down to sending her Google Calendar invites for when the pickup is for her children. And, you know, real strange things like this where she ends up in situations where these people take advantage of her or try to. And to her credit, she seems to be good at saying no once these questions are asked. But as I will describe, once these questions are asked, you're already in the wrong relationship, you know. So much like other people that grew up with dysfunctional parents, and I will link to my article on... um, Ten ways that you grew up with a dis- that you know that you grew up with a dysfunctional family. Um, people don't really understand how to set boundaries at all because their parent two reasons. Their parents never set boundaries, um, and also they feel bad for everybody because they consider everybody is this kind of you know sad tragic character that's going to have no friends if they don't help. And this may be true. So we got to get over that right away, instantly. So if you're a highly sensitive person that grew up with dysfunctional parents, you yourself felt very... Uh, you know, uh, sad, (laughs) like a lot of the time, right? Like you felt like an outsider. I know I did. And when you feel like an outsider and then you get to a place where you don't anymore, I mean, you always feel like an outsider, but you get to a place where you're passing for normal. Your kids seem normal. Everything seems better. You still have this, um, you know, like this place in your heart, this soft place for these real tragic figures in your mind that did not, that can't do this. That still seem awkward that have no idea how to make friends etc etc so then you start being the collector of these people and let me tell you I my profession give them to me you don't have to worry about it these people can find themselves a therapist and they can work on stuff there are other um, venues for them to find uh, affection and help than you being their friend. As I said to you in my initial Facebook response, this is your social life. It is not a charity. This is not the ASPCA for all of the wounded. Now, I see this to women all the time with men, you know, and sometimes to men with women. If you are insecurely attached you're going to be drawn to other insecurely attached people, but that's not the goal. The goal is to work on your attachment issues such that eventually you are actually attracted to and want to be with securely attached people who do not either um, run away from you or pursue you like you are, you know, the last drink of water in the desert. So, you know, it's the same thing with friends. You don't want a pursuer and you don't want a distancer. You want a securely attached friend. When, so how would you do this? Well, you know from what you said in your email at least, you know when people seem weird, you just try to give them the benefit of the doubt. So stop, don't, do, don't do do it anymore. Don't give them the benefit of the doubt because again, you're not helping them long-term because you, you are correctly Ending the friendship when you realize how crazy they are right I don't say crazy pejorative it's really just a catch-all term for anybody that acts in a way that is dysfunctional you don't need it you had enough sorrow (laughs) growing up you do not anymore need to populate your lives with other people and their struggles unless you would like to make a career out of it in which case you go home at the end of the day right so how then do you get over the guilt really asserting yourself in any way with these people you got to tell yourself in the long term this is not better for them it's worse because when they get to a certain point I'm gonna end this friendship anyway and then they're really gonna be upset because they considered me a true friend so I am gonna do something what everybody else does to them which is as soon as I see the weirdness I'm gonna put up a nice wall and that is just somebody that I say hi to and nod to pick pickup or whatever the hell else okay so you are no longer gonna view yourself in any way on any deep level as the person that is you know the Savior that can understand that has the benefit of the doubt this is a dysfunctional way to think you've thought about it as kind but but it's not actually kind long term because you don't end up doing whatever these people want like becoming their best friend and their nanny or whatever so you're gonna say short term maybe uh, I'll hurt a feeling or two long term though I will not end up in these situations where these people may genuinely feel abandoned okay and now this speaks to a greater issue which is how do you know what's normal when you didn't grow up around normal So there are actually books such as the adult child's guide to what's normal. That's from the 70s. Even I think I could link you to that about adult children of alcoholics who have overlap with adult children of any dysfunctional families. Right. Um, And you can also read plenty of self-help books. And if you are an avid follower of Dr. Psych Mom, then you already probably do that. So what you do is you start to think, what do things look like on television, and what do things look like um, in books, and what do things look like that other people tell me about, and then you just try to approximate it. I'm sure you've been doing this for your whole life, and therapy can also help with this, like what's normal. So when you grow up with a parent who's a hoarder in any way, then you got to look around and say, oh, other people don't have piles of shit around, so I guess I'm not supposed to have any piles of shit around and it doesn't feel natural. It's not going to feel natural for like 20 years. I speak from experience, right? So if your house looked weird growing up, you're going to spend a really long time figuring out how it doesn't look weird. And the best way is to just literally look on Pinterest or whatever and say, oh, other people don't have, you know, a room devoted to complete crap, right? (laughs) So, So this is something people don't do and then you don't do it. So it's the same thing thing with friendships. You've got to watch other people. And of course, all of us dysfunctional family children know what a normal person looks like. I mean, they are great. Like you look at them for everything. So find one, she's probably the PTA president and see, watch, how does this person deal with friends? How does this person deal with the same weirdo that ended up trying to make you her nanny? That person probably says, oh, hi, Jane. You know, her name isn't Jane, I don't know her name. Hi, Jane, how are you? And keeps moving forward and does not engage then in long-term discussions about Jane's problems finding a babysitter or really any of Jane's problems at all because this person like you has sniffed out that Jane is, is, is off in some way. And listen, my heart goes out to Jane. I hope Jane finds a therapist ASAP. I hope that she finds a kindred spirit. That person isn't you. You do not deserve to feel like shit in your intimate relationships or your interpersonal relationships because you were trained to have an affinity for the tragic right so anyway the PTA president she keeps moving forward and if jane starts to talk about that she has issues with finding a babysitter she says oh i'm so sorry but you know look at the time i do have to go i'll see you another time right so that's a firm boundary people understand when you do and do not have the capacity to be sucked in. Now, listen, Jane's not malicious. Jane is not a mean person. Jane has her own troubles, right? I am sure of that. Jane does not think... Jane probably looks at you, by the way, and thinks, ironically, she thinks, here's someone with no problems. This person's life, because this is, you know, she looks at you like you look at the PTA president. And, you know, I'm just... um I'm just trying to cultivate empathy now for Jane, rather than sympathy. The sympathy's been getting you in trouble. Empathy would be saying, listen, Um, This is how Jane looks at me Jane looks at me like my life is so perfect that I couldn't possibly be bothered by three Extra school pickups during the week So I empathize with Jane because her life must really suck She must have much less support than me her family is probably even crazier than mine Who the hell knows what happened to Jane that really sucks for her? I see what it would like to be her I see also what it would be like to be her Think that she's gonna have a best friend in me and then have that swiftly pulled away from her she would feel out of control, angry, sad, and re-traumatized from whatever abandonment experience has happened in her past. So out of empathy for Jane, I'm going to keep a boundary up right? Sympathy gets you in, in like, does like, um, the rescue dog mentality. You ever saw the show Animal Hoarders? All these people had dysfunctional families of origin, and now they cannot say no to one more cat, even when they have a hundred cats. And the human uh, equivalent of this may be what you would innately do if you were not so self-aware, which is the collection of dysfunctional friends who all need stuff from you to the point that you're tapped out and you're living in a house full of cat shit metaphorically right and um in those animal hoarder situations they always think this cat would be worse with someone else than they would be with me because even if i don't have infinite resources i can deeply understand the plight of this cat in a way that nobody else can do not let yourself fall prey to this same sort of mentality about people Your heart is in the right place, but if I had to guess, you could do some more work on processing and grieving your family of origin dysfunction such that it is not triggered by every Jane, Dick, and Harry that comes down the road that uh, you see deeply needs something and you feel like you cannot say no initially, although you're better saying no later, but you need that initial no. So you need to reframe from I am being kind to I'm actually not being that kind because they're going to be even worse when I set boundaries later on. This is the exact analog for anybody who's listening that has problems like this when dating, right? So these are the women that end up not being able, they go out on a date with a guy that they originally didn't even like. They just kind of don't know how to say no. They want to give him a chance. Don't give him a chance. If you don't have immediate physical chemistry, And physical chemistry, by the way, it's like a really good evolutionary mechanism for for cropping out people that you just kind of have a bad feeling about right so if you have a bad feeling or a feeling that you could not visualize yourself really deeply married and having great sex with somebody don't ever go on a date with them don't go to coffee with them don't become friends with them if you're a woman and it's a man and you sense that he likes you don't become friends with him why are we becoming friends with him it sucks for him don't put him in that situation Right? This isn't just you being nice. This isn't you saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to be really nice to this guy. You're not being nice. You're putting yourself and him in harm's way because the more that you hang out with this guy that you secretly on a deep level know is in love with you the more you hang out with him as a quote friend the deeper he falls in love with you and the harder it is for him to distinguish you know um, between fantasy and reality because he's constantly in your presence like if whoever you you know whatever movie star you would be super attracted to was hanging out with you all the time you would start to think maybe you had a shot with them at least when you were a teenage girl And if you didn't have a shot with them, then you would eventually be very sad. So if you are in a situation where you frequently let people either romantically or platonically into your circle on the periphery because you don't really know, you think it's mean to just cut them off right away, get out of this mindset. This does not help anybody in the long run. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help them. Now, if you're looking for ways to figure out who is weird in the first place, it sounds like you have a good radar for this. Other people may not. So that's when therapy can really help because you have somebody you see every week and you're like, I have this new friend and it's going to be really cool because she invited me over to clean her house because, um, and then I'll um, get to really help her out because she's struggling. And then your therapist is going to be like, what are you cleaning this person's house for? Or if you have a different therapist, they're going to say... Let's explore that, you know? Like, are you really, let's explore the idea of you cleaning this person's house, right? And then eventually you're gonna be like, oh shit, I'm doing it again. This person's a total weirdo and a nut job and whatever else, okay? Again, really, I don't even mean those terms pejoratively. I am just referring to some situation that you know is fucking weird. The situation is weird. It's a weird nut job situation. The person themselves is suffering I feel for them. This is what I've devoted my life to working with is people who are strange in some way. They often don't show it, but they feel it. Every single person that comes to therapy pretty much feels like something is off about them. And Takes one to no one because I grew up in a dysfunctional family as well, and I feel that same thing. So it's very, very helpful, you know, to heal yourself by working through all of this stuff and helping other people. That's why, reader, listener, whatever you are, I would imagine that either you are or at some point were drawn to the helping professions because if you grew up in a dysfunctional family and you're a sensitive person, frequently this is how you want to give back, is you want to say, Oh, look, I got through some of this. I can help someone else. So do this in your career. Don't do it in your personal life. Now, for all the other people that, again, uh, don't know how to deal with this situation. Therapy is good. Also, bouncing an idea off of a spouse is good, right? So, sometimes you have a spouse that has a better radar for a situation that you're going to be taking advantage of, or another friend, or even just um, asking, just like this person said, even her kid understood what was going on. You know, even her kid was mad at the other kid because the mother was taking advantage of her my listener so there's gonna be people in your life that understand what's going on that have a better radar than you do and you should make use of this but really key is going into therapy and saying I think from my dysfunctional family of origin I am unable to just set really strict boundaries in in the beginning with either friends or people I date a person in a different scenario this person is married but you know whoever it is. So this would be a very good thing to work on in therapy. And if you are somebody who feels like, yeah, it sounds like me, I grew up in a weird family of any sort, and now I feel sort of weird about all these different things and knowing what normal is, you're not alone. As I have made clear in this podcast, this is the majority of people who come to therapy and the majority of people who conduct therapy. So it's really... All of the people who grew up with a disordered parent or parents in bad situations or parents who were struggling with untreated uh, mental illness and or their own unresolved childhood trauma, all of us are really in the same boat and have difficulties with a lot of these things. But, you know, you can work past this and work through it and process it and move toward having healthier relationships that make you feel comfortable versus relationships that make you feel uncomfortable. There's no need to have uncomfortable relationships in a social sense. You can have uncomfortable relationships at work. You do not need, I mean, you really shouldn't, but I mean, if your boss is an asshole, it's a little bit harder to get out of than if another random mom is is weird. This should should not be something that's on your plate and you can get to where it's not okay with more vigilance and more self-esteem and more confidence that you're not long-term doing the right thing after all long-term they're getting attached and then you're going to have to break it off in a way you should really read notes on a scandal that is a novel that you would really like if you haven't and it really explains kind of how this older woman gets kind of obsessed with this younger woman and um it's it's interesting you like it i refer people to novels when they speak better than um, self-help books to a topic all right so hopefully and I'll link you to that by the way but anyway I hope you like this and it was helpful and please let me know if it was and thanks for asking me a question and everybody else please subscribe and please listen please rate me on Spotify and Apple and please follow me on Facebook Dr. Psych Mom and I will talk to everybody soon